Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Clock's starting to wind down on the year. It's been an amazing year on the stock market. This uh, market, it's kind of like a Teflon market. Nothing sticking to it. Um, record low interest rates this year on the 10-year treasury. No, not a big story. Not the stress that you think would happen. When interest rates, 10-year treasury notes drop, and they, their yield is like just going lower and lower and lower, when it gets to 1615, it's telling you something's really wrong with the economy or the world economy. It's just not playing out like that. I, this is a glorious year. I almost wish this was the year 15 years from now that I wanted to retire. It's that good of a year. Some top stories out there today. Tesla's delivery department is facing a significant shortage of volunteers for the final weeks of the year. <laughs> How does he get away with that? Billionaire asking his employees to work extra at delivering cars. Um, and again, the key word there was volunteer. Amazon's building a monster headquarter in Redmond, Washington, trying to pump out thousands of satellites to compete with SpaceX. New facility is going to consist of two buildings with a total of 219,000 square feet of space. Um, that would be a good area to buy a home in right now. Consider it. Consult order advisor for taking action in on stocks. Ever mentioned on the show. Um, but anytime a big facility goes up, it pushes real estate nearby up. You can take a look at Reno and how Tesla coming in there with a Tesla factory, battery factory. Um, it creates jobs, and when people have jobs, they tend to want to be as close as they can to work. So they can get drunk the night before, show up to work as almost as late as they can kind of thing, right? Okay, maybe I'm talking about me and not about everyone, right? Oh, and the, uh, from the category of this will just make you want to die. Eight-year-old Ryan Kaji is the highest-paid YouTube star of 2019. Uh, what were you doing while he was out there earning over $25 million? It's pretty crazy to see this list come out every year, the top YouTube stars. Um, it, it shocks you. A dad playing with his kid. Uh, there's a little girl named Anastasia who goes by Nastya. Now has 107 million subscribers across her seven channels who have watched her videos 42 billion times. Ryan Kaji pulled in $26 million. He's an influencer rose, rising to fame in the unboxing genre. That's something that... I hope you guys are grasping this because it dawned on me a little late, and when it dawned on me, it hit me like an anvil. I am not a millennial, so I wasn't on to this early. 
But uh, clearly, YouTube is a, a, a network. Um, this holiday season, a lot of parents will get their kids a second iPad. Uh, we, as parents, were like, oh, we'll just have one for the family. And if you have two kids, that's just not going to work out because they both want to watch something different. And they don't, don't breathe on me. So YouTube's all that in a bucket of chicken. YouTube is the most popular babysitter in the world. <laughs> I agree with that statement, right? YouTube's top 10 earners pulled in $162 million. So just so in case you don't know, unboxing is someone who will get like a, a, uh, a toy. And it's, it's brand new in its box, and he slowly opens it, tells you all about the, the, the fresh feeling of buying it, and uh, it's a Nerf ball gun, and yeah, 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 So we got that going on. Does that make you want to die, or are you okay with knowing that kids make that much money and you're nowhere near it, right? Uh, elsewhere out there, SoftBank's Vision Fund operates with a culture of recklessness. This is going to be a year that we look back on and the WeWork IPO might have ruined a lot of kids who are graduating Stanford and Berkeley right now. We've got this venture capital idea, and part of their business model is to lose as much money as possible early on so they can build relationships. SoftBank is one of the, the, the investors in WeWork, and they, they got humiliated. So they got played. Which we work. If you again, if you don't know the story, the, the quick story is that they're a middleman. I've got a couple friends who've had startups, and they don't want to go out and sign a one-year lease, two-year lease, three-year lease. So they sign an agreement with someone like a WeWork, and WeWork has like kitchen facilities, secretarial positions. They 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 staff the office, and you just get a cubicle. Uh, and you can do your knock your brains out, and we have a business meeting. There's a conference room, right? That's not exactly a tech company. To me, that's an old-fashioned real estate company, but it got a tech valuation because the name We was magical and powerful. They actually uh, patented the word We. Uh, tried to. It's it's gonna be a year that we look back on and go. That's probably good though to an IPO. It's probably pretty good. The people that got in on it would probably have lost a boatload of money like the Ubers and the Lefts. Lawmakers are unimpressed with Facebook. Facebook in front of Congress again. 2020 and beyond. It's going to be a lot, you're going to see a lot of Google and a lot of Facebook in front of regulators. And I don't think it's any I don't think it's a coincidence that Larry Page and Sergey Brin, you know, basically quit day-to-day operations at Google because they were probably tired of going in front of lawmakers. Now, I don't know that to be true, but I don't think that's their... I think they'd rather be on their boats and their yachts, if you know what I'm saying. Uber's paying $4.4 million to settle federal charges that the workers experience a culture of sexual harassment and retaliation. Ooh, that's a spicy story. That's a spicy meatball. Okay, it's not spicy at all, but you get the notion. Apple's AirPods Pros are sold out at retailers such as Apple, Target, Walmart, Amazon, and Best Buy. Um, good stuff. Good gift. I'll take a pair, please. Oh, sorry, they're sold out. Danny Glover, not Danny Glover, Donald Glover. Uh, when he was on set of The Lion King, he told John Farvo, "Keep Baby Yoda a secret. People like to be surprised." How cool is that? Um, okay, so here's my review on The Mandalorian in Disney+. Plus. 
I've had it for a week or two. I don't consume that much media. There's a lot of media there. Comparing the media to Netflix's media, Netflix is gonna Netflix is gonna develop its own niche and it's gonna stand on its own. One area that you know, for an adult, Netflix dominates is comedy specials. They're kicking them out. They're going to the top comics and saying, "Here, here's some money. Do another one. Here's another. Do another one." Um, whereas maybe Disney with a family Mandalorian, not that good. Baby Yoda's cute, but it's a bad TV show. Um, and that's what I have to say about that. Uh, in the day of great writing, the writing's eh, but what do I expect? It's not meant for me, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Markets are not flinching at the impeachment. At the end of the year, it's a good idea to get yourself financially educated. There's a ton of data over at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. We have a lot of free downloads there. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. You probably remember Thunderdome as that horrible, not horrible, it was probably so bad it was good. 1985 post-apocalyptic film Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome had a Tina Turner song in it. I think that song won like song of the year, one of those odd things. But there's a company that makes a Thunderdome watch. It's pretty darn cool. Uh, Google it at some point in time today, and it's priced only at $280,000. But it's the Legacy Machine Thunderdome. Legacy Machine Thunderdome. And uh, it's the perfect gift for me. It's actually, um, I'm not that impressed with watches. Like, I kind of find the Swiss watches boring. Uh, but this is stunning. It's, uh, I've never seen anything like it before. Isn't that nice when you get that kind of refreshing feeling about some sort of in- uh, industrial design? One of the things that uh, Apple has done so well is that they, they pay a lot of money to their designers to make things a little bit nicer. Sometimes it's a little bit tinkering. You kind of feel like the matted finish and such, but uh, Jonathan Ive, uh, industrial designer, I I would look at his stuff in a museum nonstop. Um, Steampunk kind of design works for me enormously. U.S. home sales tumbled, stumbled, bumbled 1.7% in November. Not that big of a story in of itself. The NAR, the National Association of Realtors, said that sales of existing homes fell 1.7% last month. (sighs) How do you feel about affordability right now and the persistent challenge of continuing to deal with the housing market? At one point in time, I feel like I might have hit the jackpot buying a home in the Bay Area. I felt like, I always felt it was too expensive, right? But I had a big chunk of change for a down payment, so I was able to manage the affordability. Still felt like I was likely going to regret it. Never did. Uh, pretty darn nice, all things considered. I'm looking at some footage right now of Charleston, North Carolina, uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Beautiful city. Talking about like areas you want to move to and such. Typical mortgage rate um, has fallen pretty aggressively this year. That should be helping sell homes. Um, but again, we're looking at 2020 okay. I don't see anyone really calling for a tumbling in the housing market, which I get. People want to know. When does it go bad? Try to let me know a day before. 
good year. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Money, investing, and more. Um, flattish market right now. That's one of the things we're running into with financial media. We have to talk about the markets on a day-by-day basis, and it's kind of insane. Um, the lead news this morning probably tied towards maybe Nancy Pelosi and the impeachment process. It looks like she wants to delay the trial to try to get the Republicans to give some concessions on it. Uh, the quicker they can bury that story is the idea, whereas the longer the Democrats could drag it out, probably works in their favor. But I know nothing about politics. The record positions right now on Wall Street are a result of low interest rates. Optimism that a big picture trade deal of some kind between the U.S. and China will get done. Relief that solid consumer spending activity in the United States has squelched imminent recession concerns. We have jobs. And I know it's easy to get caught up in the, I want to yell at the president, or I want to yell at Congress. Hey, go do something kind of thing. We have jobs. Jobs means we have paychecks. Paychecks means we have an economy. And if we have an economy, it feels pretty good. Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho. Right? Jolly old fat man. Let's talk a little bit about that. Fattening up during the holiday season. Right now, the S&P 500 is trading at about 18 times forward earnings. That's about a 20% premium to its 10-year average. Let's talk a little bit about this. Now, the S&P 500 is made up of 10-plus sectors, right? And then there's subsectors. You can talk about retail. You can go hardline, soft lines, uh, online. You can get into the minutia pretty aggressively. Tech, and then you get know, semiconductors and the subsectors of that. Um, but historically, the S&P 500, it's made up, in theory, 500 companies. It's market-weighted, but it's really not as uh, diversified as it sounds. When big companies do well, the S&P 500 does well. There will be some years, and I'll just give you an example, where if you take a look at the top 10 names in the S&P 500, if they all go up 10%, the other 490 names could go down 5%, and the market will still be up for the year. That's how market weighting is, is skewing things. But historically, I remember 2002, when the markets fell apart, fell apart, fell apart, from 2000, 2001, 2002. Um, that pushed the 10-year average considerably lower on their future earnings. No one wanted to buy stocks. So the valuation on the S&P 500 earnings dropped from 15 all the way down to like 12, 11 in some cases. And again, depending on sectors, this is it's going to really, you have to take this information, like use it, but don't abuse it. Uh, but the falling valuations is, is not a bad thing. Um, it created value. And right now we don't have value. We got fat on our bodies. We're not lean, we're fat. Um, in the S&P 500, 18 times as high. I would be, sell signals will come in around, or buy signals will come in around 15 or 12. 
1819, you might get some analysts go, that's a little bit too pricey for me. So instead of owning the whole market, I'm going to go for the areas that I find value in. Because now there's 10 sectors. Not all those sectors are are up this year. Maybe utilities or precious metals or something is in there that you want to put your fingers into. So the market's fat right now. How do you feel about that? 10-year treasury pushes towards 2%. There's a a phrase that pays. I I I would hate to go on. Wheel of Fortune. That's like a nightmare for me. Uh, the phrase that pays, the one that would, like, would get me is a, a phrase that I should know that I don't know for some reason. But don't fight the Fed. The Fed Reserve is kind of part of our government. That uh, Their job is to fight inflation and to try to keep employment full. And we don't have a lot of inflation right now, so they've lowered interest rates. And then they lowered them again, and they lowered them again, and they lowered them again. But now that our employment's pretty full... As soon as they see inflation coming, they're going to start raising interest rates more aggressively in theory. When the Fed's raising interest rates, it makes it very difficult for the stock market to go higher. I could try to give you a litany of reasons I won't. I'll just keep it simple. Don't fight the Fed. When the Fed's lowering interest rates and being accommodative, that's when you buy stocks. I'm Rob Black, talking all. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. The U.S. Department of Agriculture included Wakanda, the fictional home of Black Panther, who would, yes, be a superhero, not an animal, um, alongside Panama and Peru on a list of official free trade partners. So the U.S. Department of Agriculture thinks Wakanda's real? Or were they just playing around with the technology and forgot to remove it? Love that. 800-516-1220 each calls on the air. I think if you listen to this show, you know that I'm a big fan of technology. You know I'm a big fan of technology investing, growth investing, um... Sometimes I get a little ahead of myself and make mistakes, and sometimes I, I don't buy in until the party's almost over. But I, I try to play in that area. And there's names like Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Alphabet, Google, all of those stocks. I don't own Amazon directly, but I own the rest. So I kind of put my money where my mouth is, and it's been a very good 10 years for those I almost called them puppies, but maybe I'll treat them with respect for those tech stocks. So what's for the next 10 years? What's going to happen with, you know, the president? What's going to happen with the elections? What's going to happen? I I don't know. Um, I believe in a, a different type of God of the stock market, and that's capitalism. Capitalism is... A U.S. thing, uh, but I'll tell you what: as our planet gets more and more crowded, I don't know how how great capitalism is going to work. But that's for another day. Right now, still believe in it. Um, large cap tech companies probably won't repeat their performance of last decade. That tends to be kind of a truism in investing what worked sometimes in the last 10 years won't work in the next 10 years what worked in the last 10 months uh 12 months won't work in the next 12 months there's a little bit of that going around because money kind of shifts around right 
consumers have a role in tech companies, as do governments, as do the regulators. And they're going to drive a shift towards sustainable investments and products. The Greta Thunberg has created something because she hasn't been on a plane in like four years or something. Um, she's created what is referred to as, you know, plane shaming. And trains are cool. So if I could invest in trains right now, I think I would. That's kind of how I'm talking, but again, I don't want to get too off topic. I think the next 10 years are going to be wonderful for genetic therapies, which is a shift in medicine. It should potentially revolutionize healthcare delivery and disrupt the biopharma industry. Uh, gene and cell therapies are a big part. Gaining regulatory approval as treatments for rare diseases and cancers. Large cap pharmaceutical companies are watching because gene therapies, they're more molecular companies like Merck and Pfizer than they are genetic. But they were quickly moving to change that. I would look for a well-diversified ETF if you're looking for genetic therapies. Because a lot of the companies have clinical failures in their trials. And I don't ever want to be on the receiving end of down 60, 70, 80% in a stock. So if I'm playing genetic ther- uh, therapies, and I'm not telling you everything I own, it's not part. that's not the way I'm doing the show, I would look for a good, diversified, exchange-traded fund. Digital transformation is obviously another trend in the next 10 years. 5G mobile phones, artificial intelligence, big data, cloud computing. All of that is digitally transforming the economy. 5G networks are being rolled out across the world, which will turn in ultimately to help contribute to the Internet of Things. The fact that Apple, Google, um, was it Facebook, Apple, and Amazon all got together and said, let's let's work on this Internet of Things together. Let's come up with some standards. Once standards are done, holy mackerel, you don't understand how powerful it is. When the DSL digital subscriber lines through plain old technology, uh, plain old uh, copper wires, um, when DSL started to come out, there was different companies trying to achieve different speeds, different uh, inputs, outputs. And they said, let's do a DSL form and, and let's standardize all this so we, our equipment will work. Your equipment will work. Their equipment will work. So once you get into that, getting in and setting standards, and as 5G gets there, we'll see more and more Internet of Things. That should... Give us more digital data, e-commerce, fintech, health tech, security, safety, all good things, right? Uh, Water scarcity is going to be a big investment trend in the next 10 years. Uh, It's an unsettling concept, water scarcity. Most parts of Americans enjoy a pretty good good world where we turn on our our pipes and whoops, water comes right on out. But we can't just talk about the United States. China and India represents 35% of the world's population, and they have access to less than 10% of freshwater resources, owing just a ton of urgency to their, their people. The, the governments have to urgently try to like resolve this. China's already said it needs to increase its investment in water infrastructure to stave off shortages caused by pollution and population growth. You can check out, there's a couple ETFs that are water-oriented. And water is kind of an interesting concept. Let me explain why. Um, first and foremost, a lot of people think water is free. And there's 
nothing free about water. If there's a uh, fountain, water fountain, 10 feet from or at the park near you, your, your, your city government's paying for that water. And getting it to you, cleaning it, there, there's a process there. So there was a big ETF a couple of years ago, ticker symbol FOE. Now, when I say this, consult a worker advisor for taking action on any stock mention. Ticker symbol is PHO. And I, you can see H2O is in there somewhere, right? This is not the only water ETF. There's also one that's very um, geared towards international. Let's start some homework. Start figuring out who these companies are. Waters Corporation, Donaher, IDEX, Roper, Ecolab, Pentair, Tetra Tech, Toro, A.O. Smith. Um, all plays on water. Uh, again, if you see the value in water, that's awesome. Year to date, faux PHO is up 35%. Stock market's not up 35%. It's a sexy area that's not going to go away. And now you're saying water is sexy? Uh, I kind of have to say it is. But again, consult broker advisor for taking action on anything I ever mentioned. There's also PHO. There's also PIO. That's the Investor Global Water. And that's going to have some different names. And again, take a look at it and see if it works for you. Consult a broker advisor. Those are the big investment trends in the next 10 years. Again, you could easily say genetics, water, digitalization. Don't play the same old game every year. Sometimes you have to change it up a bit. Sometimes you have to add things. 800-516-1220 each calls on the air. Uh, I don't want to talk about that story. <laughs> There's a story that I just found that it's like, no, I'm not going to do that one. Uh, online sales means retailers need to solve a $50 billion return problem this holiday season or sooner. Um, sometimes you get a little holiday liquored up. You're enjoying the festive season. You get on Amazon. And you're like, I think, I think the kids would really like volcanic rocks that heat up and you could relax, put them on your feet. And you're like... Two days later, it comes in the mail, and you're like, what is this? Who ordered this? It was you. And you're like, oh, I better return this. So U.S. UPS has said that they anticipate handling more than 1 million return packages every day this holiday season, peaking at 1.9 million items on January 2. Oh, man. That's humbling, right? Retailers are trying to find ways to cope. With $50 billion in profits left on the table each year, it's, it costs money to return stuff, right? Especially when someone's paying that shipping. I never really start, stopped and thought about that. Like We keep talking about online sales and the importance it is to UPS and FedEx and Amazon uh, delivery. But how about the returns and the money made there? Shoppers are expected to return $41.6 billion worth of merchandise bought on the internet this year. Um, the industry has tried with some like try it before you buy it kind of business models uh, but still a big issue there still a big issue there 73% of student loan borrowers don't know what happens 
to their debt if they die. So you got a student loan. What do you think happens to it when you die? I'll tell you, 73% don't know. It's surprising how big that number is to me. People don't like thinking about dying. People don't like processing, what if this deal doesn't work out? If I get into a deal to sell a company, I need to like ask, what is the what is there something is there a death discharge? What are, what are we looking at? If a friend or family member sends a death certificate or other proof of death paperwork to your loan servicer, loans are typically cleared. But it can get pretty complicated. So it could be a situation where your parents put their name on the loan. Um, and that's an issue. I heard one of the most biggest horror stories this year about the holidays last season. Um, a young woman. I'll, I'll talk about this soon. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Shrugging off dandruff on their shoulders? New. No. Shrugging off U.S. House of Representatives votes to impeach President Donald Trump. For me, it's kind of refreshing to see that we're trading based on fundamentals and not necessarily a reaction to political events, uh, only because people get freaked out. And then they hate the stock market. And they're like, oh, I didn't know it was stock market was going to go down when the president gets uh, impeached. I didn't know. How was I supposed to know? What's that got anything to do with Facebook? I don't like it when people get freaked out. I don't like it when people give up on the stock market in any way, shape, or form. So I don't like those events that make my industry look bad. Um, big downdrafts for no reason. No good. Re- uh, downdraft in the stock market due to the, a recession? That's fine. But when we drop based on something random, not, I'm not going to say that's random because it's not quite right. But you get where I'm going at with this. Uh, Art Cashin is one of my favorites. And every year I do this show. Right around this time, I talk about Art Cashin because he gives his predictions for 2020. Despite a still strong U.S. economy, there will be no Fed rate hikes in the next year, he says. He's been around the industry so long. If you turn on CNBC, he says a little bit of Fox as well. He's he's like a grandfather that I never had. Oh, boy, I got some daddy issues. Um, He's like a grandfather I never had, right? Um, and he knows a lot about the economy. He knows a lot about presidencies, and he knows a lot about uh, the stock market. Prediction one, he says, despite a still strong U.S. economy, there will be no Fed rate hikes the next year. His quote it was even more interesting than that. He said, I think the Fed is somewhat intimidated by the market, and the market, if anything, thinks the Fed is ahead of itself on higher rates. That's, that's good stuff. Prediction number two from Mr. Art Cashin, author of Every Morning He Writes Something Called Cashin's Corner. Um, kind of gives you a one-up on Wall Street. He thinks, number two, the market winning streak will continue and the broader indices will be up in 2020. Eight out of nine times that we've had an up year like this, it's followed up by another decent year. Not quite as strong, but still strong. He says, I'll go with history and I'll go with art. Okay, I'm not going to get all that fired up. Prediction number three. Stocks may be up, but there will be several periods of volatility, particularly in January, March, and July. Now, that's fascinating for me. In late January, 
We'll see if there's going to be a Brexit. Boris Johnson now has a sweeping uh, control of Parliament. Will he push through a no-deal debt Brexit? That would get the markets a little on the volatile and jumpy side. Next thing he thinks will be the U.S. election. Number one, in early March, we get Super Tuesday. Um, it's super. And one-third of the United States populace will vote on who they want to lead the Democrat Party in the race for the presidency. Super Tuesday will be big. I could see if, like, a Warren or Sanders did really super well on Super Tuesday. That's really superfluous of me. If either of them do really well, you could see the markets react poorly. Because they both have initiatives and plans that, that would cost a lot of money. And when you say it costs a lot of money, a lot of rich people would be paying taxes. Is the idea. Um... And, and, you know, maybe we'll find out, you know, what Bloomberg's strategy is on the presidency by Super Tuesday. Who looks to be the leader? Has anyone locked it up? We will know by the middle of July. That's when there's going to be the convention. Uh, how did Art Cashin do in predictions last year? He had three. He said no Fed rate hikes. He was correct. Prediction number two, a final China deal on trade and tariffs was unlikely, but something that approximate it may happen. He was right again. He said a final China deal on trade and tariffs was unlikely. He said that 12 months ago. And every day for the last 12 months, I've come on the show and go, oh, she loves you, she loves you not. Trump and China, China and Trump. He was right. And his prediction number three, he said stocks would be flat in 2019 after being down in the first half of the year. Oops, messed that one up pretty aggressively. S&P 500 is up 28% for the year. It's best year since 2013. Two out of three ain't bad in the world of predictions. Um, just throw that out there for you. I think he's pretty good. Uh, and I like reading his stuff. So if you got bored and just Google Art Cashin, I think you're going to learn a lot. And it's kind of cool. Kind of cool. Kind of cool. I'm sounding like Cartman talking about the stock market. It's, it's cool. Kenny, Kenny, it's cool. Uh, Realtor.com is in on the predictions business, too. They're predicting residential property inventory to evaporate in 2020, thinking home sellers are going to sit 2020 out, which, of course, makes it more challenging for buyers to find homes despite attractive interest rates. Real estate predictions out of Realtor.com. They're also saying the demographic millennials will be big buyers in 2020, even if inventories are thin. He thinks that's the millennials. Younger buyers are skewing inner city living and have their sights set on 1,800 square foot homes in the suburbs with good neighborhoods and decent schools. That's a prediction out of Realtor.com. They also believe that home prices will flatten in 2020. Prices will decline in more than 25% of the 100 largest metros, including Chicago, Dallas, Las Vegas, Miami, San Francisco. Oh, no. <laughs> My beloved San Francisco is going to see real estate declines. Probably means the hippies up in Portland are going to do well. It's a joke. It's a joke to the hippies. It's a joke. Don't write letters. It's a joke. It's a little jokey. Irreverent, 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 irreverent. 
Um, South is doing really, really well, especially with young buyers. Charleston and Charlotte are leading the nation in home price growth right now. I like both of those markets, but it's really tough for me to to tell people, go invest in real estate that's 3,000 miles away. So the South doing very, very well. And Realtor.com is predicting more bidding wars. They don't think mortgage rates are going to go anywhere this year, staying right around 3.8%, 3.9% on the 30-year. Those are your predictions for 2020. Oh, Swami. Oh, wise one. Hi-oh! I'm Rob Black.